DJ, PK, and Riley Jensen, our college football insider, joining us right now. He's on the T-Mobile special guest line. T-Mobile and Sprint are coming together to build the best wireless company around. Visit T-Mobile.com for online services and local store availability. Riley, good morning. Good morning, man. How? Listen, I, I, don't, I don't really talk about music a lot, but Van Halen, that, that one got me. That one got me a little bit. Eddie Van Halen is gone? Yeah, Come I know. on, man. Come I agree. On, man. I totally agree. I totally agree, man. I totally agree 100%. Absolutely. Why is Eddie Van Halen gone? He shouldn't be gone. He's 65 years old, man. He shouldn't be freaking gone. I know. I know. But, like, I, you know, I guess I guess I just got to deal with it. I got to deal with it. But, man, there's so much good music, so many good memories. I mean, if you grew up in the 80s, like Van Halen, yeah. even if yeah. you... Right. Even if you didn't want him to be part of your life, he was part of your life. <laughs> <laughs> is that is that because uh, David Lee Roth, or is that because of Valerie Bertinelli? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, right? Hagar, Sammy Hagar. I mean, there's 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 a lot of different things, but man, it was it was grow to grow up in the '80s. Like, I feel bad for my kids. They didn't get to grow up in the '80s. The '80s are like. Man, it was cool. It was cool. It was fun. We know that, Riley, we can tell somebody had a crush on Valerie Vertinelli by uh, bringing her up. (laughs) A (laughs) hundred percent. One hundred percent celebrity crush. And I have a uh, roommate from college I'm still friends with who broke out his junior high yearbook and... In the uh, alphabet under the letter B, there she was, Valerie Bertinelli. Went, Valerie Bertinelli went to his junior high. Wow, wow, that's you, classic. You're like you're like two stages of Kevin Bacon on that one. I mean, you're not you're not even, you're <laughs> six. Not even six, right? <laughs> and DJ too. DJ's act, he actually knows who my roommate was. He's spoken to him many times. Wow. Yeah, so, so I'm like two and a half. So <laughs> two and a half stages. One my roommate. I haven't like seen three. I haven't seen the junior high uh, yearbook. So I'm two and I a half. I saw it. Yeah. yeah, I saw it. Now I'm three. Yep. Because I'm friends with you guys. I mean, nice. I, dude, this is awesome. I can't even believe how great I feel right now. Thanks for picking me up this morning, guys. Yeah. This is a big pickup. I was a little down when she married Eddie. I figured, well, the dream dies here. <laughs> Him and uh, what's her face, or her and what's her face? I think he had a crush on Marsha and the Brady Bunch too. Yeah, that was that was earlier. Those were the yeah, that, that, that was that junior was, high. Yeah, that's in crazy. reruns, Marsha's way older than me. <laughs> Which, by the way, Peter Peter lives around the corner from me. Did you know that? Uh, in an odd, this is odd. I have now met three of the six Brady kids. <laughs> That is so awesome. Can I claim second level? No, I got to take that back. I have met two, interviewed a third. PK met him, but I didn't meet Greg in person. Oh, I got Greg's phone number. Nice. (laughs) I'll have him over for dinner when that's, uh, you know, allowed again. You are a bragger, PK. You're the biggest bragger I know. Yeah. Talk about a humble brag right there. Like, wow, I mean, I have his phone number. Humble brag. I talked to him on the phone. Yeah. You are a hashtag humble bragger. That's who you are. <laughs> Cindy Brady, Susan Olson, was in studio when I was doing the morning show before PK over at 1320. 
before I met you, actually, too, Riley. And uh, she and she was she was a great interview. She was awesome. She she was telling stories, cracking us up. It, she was great. So and so yeah. was Greg. Greg was great too. He was a very good interview. Yep. Okay, let's Peter, get let's get down to the foot. Lives in Mill Creek. All right, nice. Well, the three of us will go for a hike sometime. It'll be great. <laughs> Head up the canyon. All right, so let's get right to it uh, eventually. I can't. We just spent like four minutes on Eddie Van Halen and the Brady's. <laughs> Great. Um, so I'm curious what the storyline is for this week because we could come up with a storyline that was uh, interesting slash semi-interesting for BYU for each of the first three games. But this one, any way you slice it, I just don't see drama. I don't see a story. I see BYU winning by exactly as many points as Kalani thinks they should win by. If he thinks they should win by 28, it'll be 28. If he wants to win by 42, he leaves the starters in, they throw the ball down the field, and they try to win by 42. I think the important part for this game is not to get injured. I I, I want to see... I want to see BYU go through this season the way that it should go through this season, which is winning all of these games until they get to Boise State, San Diego State, and then a potential bowl game. You need to keep these guys healthy. I'll tell you this. It's been really, really fun for me to watch Zach Wilson take that step forward that I think everybody was hoping was going to happen last year. His arm strength is back. His accuracy is back. He's got some moxie to him. Um, you can just see the confidence in the way he's throwing the ball. And the way that I can tell if a quarterback's throwing the ball confident is if I watch him and I don't watch where the ball's going, I just watch his body language as he's throwing the ball. You can almost always tell whether it's where there was a read that he knew was co- was that he was confident in or not. He's throwing the ball so confidently right now, and I know – Everybody's going, well, it's 83% against nobody. Are you going to try and throw 83% against nobody? I mean, it's not that easy to do what he's doing right now, and it's an extremely high level. He's mixing in some really, really impressive throws, back shoulder throws that are down the field. Um, he's just really put in a lot of work. And it's for me, it's been really fun to watch. I'm, you know, I'm a little bit connected to him through Mountain West Elite. I'm not his main quarterback coach or anything like that. But I know him, I know the family, and I know that he loves football. And so for me to see that evolve is really, really fun personally. A year from now, is he playing in the NFL? Uh, He's playing in the NFL. I I think the decision will be up to him whether he's going to the NFL after this year or next year. But there's no question he's an NFL quarterback. And, And depending on how it goes this year, Depending on the feedback he gets, I mean, who could blame him for for taking that step? Because he's just really – I mean, when you watch him play, you're like, this guy's a quarterback. Like, this guy was supposed to play quarterback. So, the defensive side of the ball. Is BYU's defense – I mean, we've been pumping up the offense. Is BYU's defense as good as their offense? Has it been a product of uh, the teams that they have played? You know, Navy's an option team – They've just lost their star quarterback. It's the first game. They switch between two guys. How much of it is circumstances, and how much of it is this BYU defense is complete? D-line, linebacker, secondary. I think they're all playing really, really well. It's hard for me to make a judgment because they're, they haven't been tested. They really haven't been tested. 
you know, we haven't had a team that can come in and block them and actually throw the ball downfield, so we, we can't get a good look at the, the defensive backs. We haven't had a team that really comes in and tries to pound the rock. I mean, I'm sure I'm sure Navy would have liked to have done that, but they just didn't didn't have the firepower, nor did they have the practices that would have allowed them to do some of those intricate details of their offense. So they just haven't been tested yet. But I will say this: I mean, when I'm watching when I'm watching this defense play, and just new guys are coming in and getting sacks and. They they actually look like they're really really solid players. It's not just the starters; it's the backups. And you know, there was a few years ago that I was kind of scratching my head. I'm like, how BYU took like six defensive linemen in in like one year where they were where they were recruiting people, and I'm like, what is, what is he doing? I mean, these guys aren't going to be able to impact the program for like three four years. Well, every single one of those guys right now. It, there's a few of them that didn't go on missions. There's a few of them that did go on missions. Every single one of those guys, Zach Daw, you're talking about, um, uh, you're talking about, uh, oh shoot, I'm I'm forgetting their names now. But, but there's like three or four of them that were all in the same class that are just making play after play after play on the defensive line. They're a legitimate defense. I would like to see them get tested and see what kind of fortitude they have what kind of toughness they have when they've been tested a little bit. But I don't think we're going to see that until really until Boise State. I just there's, – there's no reason for BYU to lose until they get to the Boise State. I think they beat San Diego State, and then there's a bowl game opportunity. If they, if they beat Boise State and they beat San Diego State and they're undefeated, I mean, why, why not put them in a New Year's Six Bowl? Why not put them in a chance where they can play against a really good team so we can have a good backdrop to, like, how good this team was – um, because uh, everyone was saying how good BYU would be. The schedule was lined up this year to, to be a good test for them to kind of show what they could be. And unfortunately, they don't get that same schedule. But by the end of the year, they should be able to, to say, hey, yeah, we couldn't control our schedule, but we controlled our destiny. We played in a New Year's Six game, and we thumped whoever they play against. And, and we think that this was a legitimate great team. That's what I'd like to see happen for these guys because from what I can tell, this is a really good BYU football team. And in some ways, it's a shame that they didn't get to play the schedule that that, that, that was originally planned. So the Utes are supposed to start practice this weekend. You got any insight on their quarterback position? Because Kyle says, as of now, it's a three-person race. I mean, it's really, really hard for me to, 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 to not think that it would be Bentley. Um, just when you bring in a graduate transfer, it's it's what it used to be like with a junior college transfer. You're not bringing them in to sit. You're not. You're, I mean, why are you bringing them in? You're bringing them in to enhance your program because you don't feel great about what you've had so far. It gives your other quarterbacks a year to grow. It gives him a chance to 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 start, and and he's a, he's a guy who has over seven thousand yards passing in the SEC to give a chance. I mean, we're looking at graduate transfers all over the country right now that are playing good football. I, I would be really surprised if it's not him. I think Kyle's MO, I think the thing that he always does is he he likes that position to have to compete. He likes them to feel like they earned it. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I like that MO, but I, I would be very surprised that it that if it's not Bentley that's starting at the first of the year. 
Do you think it's more likely Bentley uh, because the practices have been so messed up? Because it seems like Rising would have Bentley is a certain level, right? He's got the SEC starts and all that. So he's probably not going backwards, which means Rising has to be really good. But Rising hasn't had the practices to prove he's really good to be better to win the job. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, he he has to he has to show that you know that he is for for rising to start he has to have opportunities to show that he's way better right and i th- i think they know what they're going to get with bentley um so when i say this i say that he's the starter at the first year that doesn't mean that it lasts the whole year i mean if rising gets opportunities in practice or bentley's just not knocking it out of the park i mean it's never a done deal, especially with Kyle. He's not going to just wait around for quarterback play to be really good. Um, he he's going to want it to be solid. Here's where I think. Here's where I think maybe the past at the University of Utah is different than now is because of Coach Ludwig. I think I think these quarterbacks will be prepared. I think Bentley will be prepared, and I think he'll know exactly where he's supposed to go with the football. I think you'll see them be a team that can actually throw the ball around. I think the schedule is really, really nice for them. <clears throat> and I, I kind of feel like Bentley will ride off into the sunset at the University of Utah this year as a as a really, really solid quarterback for the University of Utah. Maybe even get a chance at the NFL just knowing what his background is and where he's played and how he's played. So I'm watching Texas Tech play over the weekend, and they got old Henry there. The guy was at Utah State, and he's playing, and and we saw the result. And I'm wondering – why wouldn't he want to have stayed at Utah State and compete? Because it seemed like he had a decent shot, but then you brought up the factor it's the same situation with the grad transfer spiel. It's not quite the same uh, with the grad transfer, but nevertheless, Shelley goes up to Logan. It doesn't seem to me like Shelley's guaranteed to be the starter. I find that whole situation sort of baffling. Um. Quarterbacks transfer. I mean, I, it's hard for me to be critical. I, I transferred, right? Like, it's it's one of those things where if you don't feel like you have a solid chance to be the guy, and you know, with 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 um, with a transfer to Texas Tech, I mean, part of that is that he probably really loved that offense. He probably really loved the coaches that were there, and. Coaches, when they leave, they're not always open to bringing a guy with them. I mean, they have to really like you. Um, if if Columbia is going to play, you know, to get that transfer, it means that, you know, the old staff really believes in him and he's going to have a chance to play down there. So that could be part of it. The other part of it is, you know, all of these quarterbacks that are, that are high-level, um, highly recruited quarterbacks, I mean, in some ways, their first adversity is when they get to college. I mean, these guys, these guys have things paved for them in a lot of ways. I mean, you look back at Jake Heaps. He had four Division One wide receivers in high school. He was dropping back. He had a great arm. He had his own personal quarterback coach. He was throwing the ball over the defense to Division One guys. The first time Jake Heaps experienced adversity was when he got to BYU, and then again at Kansas, and then again at Miami. I mean. He, he hadn't really had any difficulties until all of that happened. And so I think that there's still quarterbacks that are a lot like that. They don't, they don't know how to handle adversity at the college level because 
it's been paved all the way through. It's been snowplowed for them to be successful all the way through. And look, they're very, very talented kids. I think sometimes mentally, um, as soon as they hit adversity, it's difficult. So, and look, Shelly's a good quarterback. I had a chance to watch Utah State practice a little bit the other day, and man, I was... This is the first time I've been able to see Shelly practice. I've seen him play in the games for the University of Utah. Um, that guy's taking this this move seriously. And so when I watch him play, I, I was very impressed with his command of the offense up there. I was very impressed with the pace that he plays with, with the enthusiasm for the game that he plays with. I'd be very surprised if Shelly's not the starter at Utah State this year. So I'm curious, and I know we're almost out of time here, but I'm curious, when you are uh, doing your mental uh, strength coaching work with people, right, and all that, do you yeah. deal more with people who um, we got to help athletes overcome poor performances or we got to help athletes who put limits on themselves and who they don't realize how good they can be or keeping people grounded who've had a lot of success? What is most common? So most common is is trying to fix problems. It's not not as much preventative yet. I, I think the thing that I've been impressed with with college athletes, which is different from my age group, which is different than than even just ten years ago, is there are quite a few now that are coming in and they're just like, I just think this is a good idea. I think this is something that could be a tiebreaker for me. I think this is something that could put me ahead of really, really good competition. And they realize that any edge that they can get is going to be the difference for them playing. But a lot of the times, I'm working with very, very physically gifted athletes. I mean, I'm working with Division One college Olympic athletes, and they're competing against other athletes that are just as good as them. And I think sometimes all they want to know is that they can compete when the pressure's on. I think a lot of these people... A lot of these kids, they just want to know. They know that they have it physically. They want to know that they can compete and play well when the pressure's on. And and we talk a lot about pressure being a privilege. I mean, it only comes to those that earn it, right? And so when when these kids are playing Division One football, a lot of times I'm just reminding them how great of an athlete they are and how far they've come and how hard they've worked. And that there's no reason for them not to just let their body take over in some of these situations because they've done it a million times. There's no reason to complicate it by letting your head get in the way. And so these these athletes are incredible. I mean, I don't I don't know how to express to parents and to people out there that are watching. When you watch a Weber State practice, when you watch a Utah State practice, when you watch a Snow College practice, these guys are really good athletes. I mean, really good. And, you know, you know, University of Utah has had some success over BYU and over Utah State and some of those things in recent years. That doesn't take away from the fact that Utah State has unbelievable athletes, that BYU has unreal athletes. I mean, these kids are high level. You're talking about top 3% in the world. I tell these kids all the time, you're top 3% in the world at what you do. You might not even be top 3% in the world at anything else that you do in your life, have a little confidence with it. I mean, you might, might, you might not be a top 3% in the world dad. <laughs> you know, like, you, you should really enjoy this experience right now because you put a lot of work into it. Riley, thanks for the time. As always, we appreciate it. Hey, I love being on this show. You guys are the best. Thank you for having me.
Riley Jensen, College Football Insider, joining us right here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.